Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Matthew Bull, the CTO of Elanco, a company that cares deeply about the well-being of animals, pets and those animals in the farming industry. And they do this all under the slogan of healthy purpose, healthier animals, healthier people, healthier planet and healthier enterprises. So let's not delay. Let's get Matt into the space to hear his enlightening stories of his leadership and the work that he does within the organisation. So welcome, Matt. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me. Excited to have the opportunity to, to talk today. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so Matthew Ball, Elanco's Chief Technology Officer. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what Elanco is uh, in a second. Um, yeah, my journey, I'm based in the UK, but Elanco is a US-based company, so I'm a, a remote worker in that regard. Uh, previously frequent traveller to the US, but that has not happened quite so much in the last uh, couple of years. Um, in terms of personally, um, family, have two young children, uh, and I live with my wife and, and those and children. Um, and then education-wise, I studied at Bournemouth University here in the UK, as well as uh, Stanford University over in the US, um, as part of my executive education. Wow. Um, and then prior to working at Alanco as the CTO, I was um, the lead architect at Eli Lilly and Company. And Eli Lilly has a, uh, is intrinsically tied to the story of Alanco, which again, we'll touch upon momentarily, um, but played numerous roles on the Lilly side, everything from engineering roles, um, have a background in telecommunications, um, as well as software development, uh, and then into architecture roles. And that was really what led me to the, to the CTO role uh, at Alanco. That's nice. That's a nice little kind of meandering path. And I love the uh, the different, um, I imagine, a variation of roles and really kind of getting a, an appreciation as to what these things to do. And, and I guess from a, a tech leader's perspective, seeing the appreciation for that, you know, uh, all the, what everything is and what, the, what that plays in the bigger picture. Absolutely. And I think for me, um, working in an enterprise like previously, like Eli Lilly, I think what's interesting about that is that you have uh, under the sort of value chain, you have everything from research and develop, research and development, manufacturing, commercial, global IT. Um, you know, they're all under the banner of the organisation. So, um, in terms of breadth of opportunity and different experiences, um, you know, manufacturing operate very differently to R and D in terms of how they get their work done, their priorities, their challenges. Um, so, for as much as it feels like yes, you're working for the same company. Um, very diverse set of experiences that can come from that. Um, so I've been very fortunate to have those opportunities throughout my career. Brilliant. So coming on to the company now that you're CTOing, okay, um, tell us about that. What, what do they do? What are they about? Yeah, so Elanco is an animal health company. Um, our mantra is really to support those that raise and care for animals. Um, we cover uh, really two primary segments. We have the pet side of the business and then the um, farm side of the business. Uh, in terms of uh, how we operate, we have um, 
around 200 brands. We uh, have products sold in over 90 countries around the world. Um, in terms of our uh, company makeup, we're about um, 9,000 employees, but from an IT perspective, um, obviously when you take on contracting workforce as well as partners, uh, we're probably closer to 15,000 uh, individuals across the globe. Um, and we have somewhere in the region of 60 plus physical locations where we have um, individuals on the ground. Um, but again, obviously the last few years have really seen a major shift in how we do our business, uh, just like every other industry. Um, so now, you know, a heavy emphasis, of course, as well on remote working and hybrid working. Um, but Elanco as a, um, as a company, yeah, very focused, of course, on, on uh, the well-being of animals. Um, and at least from my perspective, you know, that links very closely to the well-being of, of people and, of course, the, you know, sustainable future of our planet as well. You, you mentioned earlier on, Matt, a, a tag that you use within the company, because I, I found that really intriguing. Do you want to describe that to the audience? Yeah, so in terms of um, one of our, uh, I think, key principles as an organization is really uh, what we describe as our healthy purpose. And, and the goal there is to um, really try to drive um, and innovate um, products, services, uh, and insights, really, whether that be across the pet side of the business or the farm side of the business, uh, to do so with um, you know, an eye towards sustainability and really trying to bring um, new capabilities to bear that help really the planet as a whole um, move forward. And of course, again, the last two years, great evidence of this, uh, there are tremendous challenges ahead. Um, and we believe Elanco, um, very core to the way that we think and operate, uh, an important part, we, we believe we have an important part to play uh, within that. And that's, if you look at any of the public materials related to Elanco, uh, including, you know, elanco.com, you'll see uh, that message front and center very clearly in our DNA. Brilliant. I love it. I love purpose-driven companies, you know, because you know what they're clearly what they're about. Not only do you, can you like their products and their services, you can actually like what they're about, you know, kind of thing. I think that's really important. Um, and actually, from a from that perspective uh, of, of being in a purpose-driven company, I mean, how does that impact your technology leading, your tech leading? Yeah, I think in a, in a couple of different ways. I mean, firstly, I think um, it's a story that resonates with people. Um, we've actually seen, of course, um, during the pandemic, a, a rise in um, companion animals uh, being brought into homes, um, you know, whether it be dogs, cats, um, and the, the effect that they can have on a family is, is profound. Um, and people are exceptionally passionate about their animals, and rightfully so. Um, and what's exciting about that as a technologist is that, um, you know, Elanco is probably not the first company you think of when you think, hey, I'm a technologist, what company should I go work for? But actually, when you dig a little deeper and when you uh, get to that connection about um, our purpose and, and uh, people's connection to animals, uh, suddenly I think it really opens people's eyes. And we've had lots of people um, be attracted to Elanco, really driven by their passion for, for animals. Um, so as a, as a leader in technology, we try to uh, take advantage of that and, and bring top talent into not only the industry, but of course, into Alanco specifically, so that we can start to um, hopefully innovate uh, and, and bring uh, new ideas, new energy uh, that can result in better outcomes. Um, and as a technologist, and we'll talk more about this momentarily as we get into the company journey, um, but we've been through just a, a tremendous transformation over the last couple of years. And the word transformation gets used a lot, <laughs> yes. um, but I think hopefully when you hear a little bit about our story, you'll recognize that this is truly transformation in, you know, 
you know, as, as the word is defined. Um, and again, all of that was driven by, by the people um, that enabled uh, us on, on this journey. So um, yeah, that's been incredibly exciting. Brilliant. I love it. And you mentioned, you mentioned about pets and I've got uh, my companion dog here, you know, and it's great to hear a company looking out for well-being. and you're absolutely right. They've become an integral part of our family. In fact, I like to think of Indy here, uh, our little sprocker as a kind of glue, you know, it glues the family together. So that's wonderful to hear. You've also mentioned about farming and this is an area, um, you know, the kind of the ethics and, and how uh, an industry that's still waiting to really grasp the technology opportunities and 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 creating a, a well-being out of that um i find that fascinating because it's a, it's a conversation that many people i know have but what's the kind of work you do with in farming then is, is there anything around that that you do yeah so elanco has a, a pharmaceutical heritage um so we do deliver a lot of um product to help uh farmers um care for and the well-being of their animals on on the farm um, we also look to support farms, though, both small and large, in terms of optimizing the way that they run the farms. Um, again, it's a, an industry with just an incredible heritage, um, you know, probably one of the oldest industries that I can think of. Yes. Um, and obviously, it's, um, uh, it's sort of integral to how we operate around the world, uh, even to this very day. Um, but as with any industry with a heritage of that nature, you know, there are certain, um, there's certain inertia that, that uh, takes hold uh, over time and therefore there's an opportunity there to, to think differently and to do things differently and uh, that is where Elanco looks to be a, um, a supportive partner and to make sure that we're in a place to be able to bring new products, services, insights um, to farmers around the world uh, to help optimize the way they do their job obviously ethically um, as well as sustain you know from an environmental uh, sustainability standpoint. A bit excellent. And also one of the things that technically seem to be swimming in nowadays is data. OK, um, is there a lot of data coming out of the farming industry that is of use and gives insights as to what can be done? Yeah, it varies around the world in terms of um, the uh, fidelity uh, of that data. Um, but there's absolutely a lot of data. I think these days um, you'd be hard pushed to find an industry that probably isn't swimming in data. Um, I think, as always, the, the trick is how do you gain insight from it? How do you make it actionable? And that's an area where, again, we as Alanco um, are investing a huge amount of time and, and energy. Um, we believe there's a lot to learn uh, from these insights, um, really, whether it be on the farming or the, the pet animal side. Um, and our goal, and, and at least from my belief personally, you know, data is going to unlock new opportunities, both for us as a business, but also for our customers uh, over the next you know, five plus years. And um, that's an incredibly exciting uh, space to be. Um, yes. And I, again, I feel like can maybe compared to some industries, it's probably fair to say that animal health and to maybe a lesser extent human health is, is still a little bit behind the curve in terms of being able to fully seize opportunities of technology. Um, and therefore, I believe, although that may sound like a, a negative, actually it can be presented uh, as a positive in the sense that we can learn from other industries that are maybe more advanced and actually hope to try to accelerate or leapfrog um, to really bring um, powerful technology outcomes to, to our customer base. So um, I'm excited by that. I believe those are, you know, those are areas that we hope to get after uh, in Elanco and, and specifically in Elanco IT. Love it, excellent. I love this idea of technology. Uh, serving humanity and just generally the planet as a whole you know I think there's loads of opportunities and I, you're starting to see 
a real opportunity there. It's great to listen to somebody with an organisation like that. So coming to now, um, you kind of mentioned earlier on that, you know, that there's been some big shifts, transformations with capitals all the way across the board, you know. Tell us about the, the journey then of, uh, of the company and, and what you've been part of. Yeah, I mean, it really has been a, a crazy couple of years, I think for everybody, but especially for those working at Elanco. So um, back in September of 2019, uh, Elanco um, announced that it would be divesting from its parent company. And as alluded to earlier, that parent company was Eli Lilly. Um, what made this process uh, unique is that Elanco really was a business function of the parent company uh, and therefore consumed all of its IT services, or at least the vast majority um, from the parent. So at the point of separation, uh, we essentially had the um, unique position to rebuild IT from the ground up. And that covered everything from the architecture, the technology, the processes, uh, and really the, the organizational structure itself. Um, now on one hand, you know, that's a pretty scary um, uh, sort of path that we had to try to take because the business isn't going to stand still while IT does its thing. You know, we mm. still had to go and operate in the, you know, 90 plus countries around the world. Um, we still had to meet the expectations of our of our customers. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we had this just huge lift that we had to do to, um, to rebuild IT. Now, the positive and the piece that drew me to this opportunity was... Um, I've spent a lot of my career working in enterprises, battling against um, technical debt, uh, legacy, uh, inertia, these things that tend to act as a barrier to modernization and innovation. Um, so to suddenly have an ability to pull the reset lever, to have a blank sheet of paper put in front of us and say, well, okay, if you have no legacy, what would you build and how would you build it? Yeah. Um, that... I truly believe is, is a, was a once in a lifetime opportunity. <laughs> um, and as a technologist, you know, incredibly exciting. So yeah, we embarked on a 18 month to two year journey where we did exactly that. We um, migrated our 15,000 users from an IT perspective to this new IT ecosystem. Um, that meant we had to go out and deploy, you know, 14,000 plus new devices across 50 countries. Um, we have, you know, 60 plus physical sites around the world that all needed to be modernized and migrated to the new ecosystem. And you know what that meant for us as an outcome, uh, we are now a company that is about 95% cloud. A lot of companies talk about their cloud adoption and their cloud transformation. What they usually are describing there is a multi-year, sometimes multi-decade um, process. You know, We executed that basically end-to-end -end in 18 months. We now have no um, fully owned Elanco data centers, as an example. Um, yeah. And that included about a thousand plus applications and services that support um, Elanco, critical Elanco business processes. So um, yeah, just an incredibly exciting um, journey. Now, maybe one addition to that, um, what has made that more interesting, if it, if it needed to be more interesting, was that during that same 18 month to two year window, Elanco, as an ambitious company, also uh, acquired um, another company that was approximately the same size as Elanco. So, you know, imagine divesting and rebuilding all of IT from the ground up whilst simultaneously acquiring and doubling in size. Um, and of course, all of this was done under the backdrop of the last two years, which meant, uh, you know, the global pandemic, which, um, you know, unprecedented level of change. 
uh, impact to travel, impact to supply chains. Um, so it's been a, um, a tense, um, pressurizing journey, but one that, you know, frankly, I'm incredibly proud of and the team have just done an exceptional job. And we are now at the other end of that, having um, successfully executed the, the two key projects related to the divestiture and acquisition uh, and having done that on time, which, you know, frankly, many described as an impossible task. Um, so, yeah, the team should be exceptionally proud. Excellent. I love that. I love how you, uh, yeah, I mean, this is sort of, uh, if I may say, you know, um, uh, honouring the team, you know, it's, it's a team effort and, you know, under your leadership, which is a, which is a beautiful thing to hear. Absolutely. I mean, the, the team, I think it's fair to say that it, this process has taken its toll. Um, you know, it was obviously a lot of every individual was dealing with their own personal challenges during this time period. Um, so to have this just tremendous pressure laid on top of them from a business lens as well was, um, you know, I suspect undesirable to many. But at the same time, everyone really rose to that challenge. Um, and, you know, even from a leadership perspective as well, um, you know, really our goal was to, to live by Elanco's sort of cultural traits, um, be respectful, but also be ambitious and be driven um, and to go after, you know, what many, as I said, described as sort of an impossible task. So, yeah, I have absolute respect for the team and what they've accomplished and they should be uh, incredibly proud of that as an outcome. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. And I mean, it's, this is interesting, this kind of this whole perfect storm, as you described it yourself, you know, this perfect storm of things coming together, the COVID, the divesture, the the um, the uh, acquisition as well. And and because companies are actually tied to that foundational blocks of technology, now all businesses are technology businesses with a specialisation, you know, that separation um, must have been uh, painful. Uh, would, would that be a word or um would, i mean what advice would you give for for tech leaders out there that have to kind of go through this what, what's your learning yeah i mean there's a tremendous amount of learning we could definitely we could talk probably for hours on this topic <laughs> i think the um the piece some of it probably comes back to basics to be honest um so firstly you know planning um upfront planning really understanding the problem statement understanding your priorities um really getting a foundational set of principles that you are going to operate by uh, becomes incredibly important. And for us, you know, we obviously didn't do everything ourselves. We partnered with countless um, vendors that, through technologies that we uh, brought into the organization, but also support vendors, um, really making sure that any principles and sort of culture that we put in place was also uh, represented and reflected in how they operate um, really made us, uh, really set us up for success. So for one, you know, upfront planning, I think, is key. And then the other piece of advice I would give, and, and we lived by this, um, is you need to have situational awareness. You need to have a strategic intent and an understanding of the path ahead, of course. But at the same time as well, you need to stay focused on um, the task right ahead of you. And, you know, when you're going on a 18-month to two-year journey divesting, um, you know, there are, you know, project plans are in the thousands of, of action items um, that are shifting continuously. And if you try to look at that holistically, it, frankly, it, it sort of blows your mind and would give anyone anxiety, probably. Um, so I think breaking that down into, into manageable components, uh, really understanding you know, what your key milestones are and how you have how you plan to execute against them 
and then mobilizing and incentivizing your teams to stay focused and disciplined to the to that end trying to protect them maybe a little bit from the bigger picture so that you don't drive just a you know an inherent fear of of what's to come um and trying to just make that manageable and i say that's fairly simple because it's probably good advice to life in general frankly versus just in business but um that was important to us during this journey and um yeah i can say those that were looking at the bigger picture um yeah i'd be lying if i didn't say that you know you didn't look at that and and you sort of take your breath away at times in terms of what we had ahead of us but that's when you just have to reset yourself and really just focus on you know what is the what is the next step we need to accomplish get that done and then we'll keep moving forward and you know i think it was that determination and perseverance uh that that allowed us to you know progress through uh, as we did excellent and coming on to your leadership now um being the leader of, of leading this kind of aspect of the organization but also interacting with the other leaders within the organization who've got their own bigger uh, their own plan their own kind of intent in set, um, uh, directions and what have you um first of all in terms of leading your people in, uh, set, uh, and keeping the direction what's the tricks and tips that you have around making sure people align to that because it sounded like there was a very clear direction you know where you're going to go yeah, I mean, so firstly, I would say that we on the IT side, we have a, a great lead team, uh, obviously myself and, and my um, my peers, as well as our CIO, Chris Keeley, who leads up um, uh, IT as a whole. Um, I think having that team very well aligned and focused uh, was important. And, you know, as you might expect, there were some rough patches. But generally speaking, I think we had uh, everybody uh, was committed to the outcome and, and um believes in the opportunity ahead. Um, so having that strong lead team was very important. In terms of how that uh, uh, sort of proliferated into the organization itself, the things we tried to do, and I won't claim to always be perfectly successful in this, but um, we tried to have a clear goal, make sure that everybody had a, an, a really good understanding of what we were attempting to achieve, but also focus on the why. Um, it can be challenging at times if you um if you have a goal but you don't really understand the context around the goal yes. um, it's difficult to be motivated in that regard so we focused on the why we tried to really explain to people the opportunity that would be presented once we met this goal you know elanco as a separate organization keeper of our own destiny and this modern it ecosystem that we would establish that could we believe act as a competitive advantage for for our customers um, that was a very strong goal, very strong driver. I think the other piece we then had was tried to establish a, a common understanding, a common language across the organization. Um, you know, when you're working with um, lots of different disparate teams, lots of conflicting dependencies, um, it can become very quickly complex and confusing yes. um, to stay on the tracks. So needing to make sure that everybody had an appreciation for um, uh, you know, the things that we were doing, the why we were doing them and making sure that that common language existed, especially as we have a global team, of course, as well, predominantly working remotely uh, because of the, the impact of the last couple of years. So those would be two, um, two pieces. I think the other piece I would just call out is uh, there was a, um, a startup-like uh, experience during this process for Alanco. It was very much a all hands on deck type scenario. And I mean that from the very top of the company all the way down, um, you know, people rolling up their sleeves, getting stuck in. Um, 
there is something to be said for that type of adversity that generates and, and can be very motivating for people. And certainly, at least personally, my goal was uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in sort of time in the trenches. You know, you've got to put in your time. Um, so for me, you know, as well as, you know, the rest of the lead team, you know, really trying to be, um, you know, lead by example, um, recognize that the job needs to be done, title, hierarchy, these things aren't actually that important at the end of the day. What's important is how we operate as a, as a team and bringing that team together under, uh, you know, under one common goal. So that was actually a, a really nice part of the journey, at least from my perspective, because there really was a feeling that we were all in it together. Um, we, we had our sex successes together and, and, you know, and when we had setbacks, we felt them as a team as well. Um, and there was, yeah, there was something quite unifying uh, about that uh, experience. I like that. That, that pressure, that discomfort uh, creates an alignment, uh, a natural organic alignment. I love that. And from your uh, kind of peers, your, your, the other members of leadership, because I imagine there was a lot of conversations, a lot of different directions, maybe even contention. Um, what, what, was, what was that like and any kind of tips from a technology leadership perspective to kind of bring that about? Yeah, so there was definitely some tension at times. I would always describe, uh, I think tension comes in different forms and I think what you should look for is healthy tension. I think you want diversity uh, in, in thought process. You want um, different perspective, different context. If, if everybody looks at the same problem the same way, uh, you're guaranteed not to get to you know, the best possible outcome, at least is my experience. Um, so there was definitely tension. But again, what that resulted in was a healthy debate that triggered a good outcome, um, at least in you know almost all cases. Um, and for me, what makes that successful is is probably three things. Uh, one would be transparency, you know, and a willingness to speak up and and share your thoughts, regardless of um, you know how they might be received, to make sure that uh, individuals you know have that perspective at the table. Um, and then I think it's important that anyone receiving the information is doing so um, in an open uh, in an open way with with trying to look at the context in, in which the information is being provided, because there's a recognition, of course, that everybody's role is, is different. And, you know, the stakeholders, the pressures being applied to those roles are also different. And as a result of that, you know, you can only bring together a holistic view if, if you're able to bring in those disparate parts. So that was important and receiving that information and trying to think about the context uh, was, was also critical. And then I think the, the, the final point um, uh, was really around empathy. Um, it's, it's a recognition that at the end of the day, um, we are all people, you know, we, and again, we need to recognize that there was a lot going on in the world during this time period as well, not just, you know, what's going on at Alanco. Um, so recognizing and, and being respectful of each other and, and our positions and being supportive, um, you know, that was also, you know, critical. And it's that, to me, that what forges trust and, and it's trust that then drives a bond that enables you to, to be successful. Excellent. I love it. It sounds like a, a really nice, uh, helpful culture. So as a tech leader, okay, I, I love asking this question because um, I'm always curious around how tech leaders deal with the, with their, with the many things that they have to kind of uh, lead. Um, what keeps you up at night? What, and how do you handle that? Yeah, I think the, the piece that... So really nothing on the technology side keeps me up at night. And I think it's because I'm... I'm a technologist at my core. Um, any challenge that's related to technology almost excites me versus um, causes me concern. 
The piece that causes me concern is, is actually more the human side of the equation. It's, it's the people and making sure that, um, you know, people feel empowered, making sure they feel they have um, an ability to make a difference. I believe that's important. Um, you know, as I look at what excites people, specific, maybe specifically in sort of STEM type fields, but, you know, I think people want interesting problems to go and solve as a, as a part one, hopefully problems that they're personally passionate about. Um, and I believe we have a great cause in Elanco. Um, but then critically, they also want an environment that enables them to be successful against that problem statement. Um, it's all very well, you know, working for a company that has big problems to solve. But if you as an individual don't feel valued or you don't have autonomy to, to make decisions or you just feel stifled, um, you know, that's that's not going to be healthy and that's going to result in frustration and, and that's not good for, for anyone. So what we've spent time trying to do is, you know, how do I build an IT ecosystem that has those principles at its heart, you know, that are about enabling autonomy and agility, let people do great things um, and basically try and get out of their way <laughs> as much yes. as we can. Yes. Um, and then lastly, you know, wrap that in a culture that people feel safe and secure. I, I think Elanco has, um, we're, you know, we're not a huge company, but we're, we're a decent sized company. And I still think there's a family culture in Elanco. Um, this is just Matt speaking now, but it's what keeps me at the company or at least in part, um, you know, the respect of each individual and, and the way that we operate. And some of that I think was born out of the journey we've just described that, you know, forged in under pressure, if you like, um, that that sort of family spirit. Um, but to me, those are the pieces that we need to try to protect. And, and why that keeps me up at night is because um, we're still under tremendous pressure. And, you know, there's a there is a breaking point in anyone. Um, and we've got to continue to try to get that right balance. And we're not going to do it always. And, and um, we know that. So that's an, a continued dialogue discussion. You know, how do we make sure that uh, we have the right foundation for people to do great things. Excellent. It, it, what you refer to there, uh, what I sense was belonging, you know, belonging to something and, and feeling that you're kind of part of it. You also mentioned something quite curious around STEM, you know, the STEM fields, making sure that they're they're brought into the into the uh, the work somehow. Describe that a little bit more. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, Elanco as a uh, has always had a, a rich heritage in innovation, specifically from an R&D perspective and operational innovation. Um, but ever increasingly, I would say like almost any company on earth, you know, technology and, you know, whether it be science, technology, engineering, maths, these are fields that underpin almost all companies now. It's uh, struggling actually to think of a company that could say that they don't have some level of, you know, technology as a, as a core part of their organization at this stage. Um, so, one of the challenge of that or what that results in, of course, is that, um, you know, how do we bring talent to Elanco? How do we incentivize them not only to, to come to Elanco, but then how do we make sure that they uh, are encouraged to stay and, and get the best uh, out of them and, and set them up for success within their own careers? Um, so we've been spending a, a lot of time over the last year as well. And in fact, this podcast is, you know, an example of that is, um, trying to recognize the talent that we have in Elanco and the great work that they've done, but also trying to recognize the organization as, as more than, again, if you look at it on the surface, it may not be immediately apparent of all of the technology opportunity that exists between underneath the surface. And so some of that is about, I think, um, making that known. 
Um, and again, in part to help drive talent to Elanco, but the second part is to help really recognize those that already work for Elanco, uh, you know, of the incredible work that they're doing in the background. Um, so yeah, the STEM field is obviously very close to me personally, um, but also I think seen as just critical skills, skills and, and, and capability within the organization. You mentioned that you've got um, teams that are distributed globally. Um, I, I imagine some of them are internal teams, some of them are external kind of partners. What are the tips you've got as a tech leader around uh, communication? Because obviously in this kind of remote world, we, we've gone from, you know, being some things remote and now everything's remote. Uh, communication is a, is, a, is a challenge. What's any tips you've got around that? Yeah, so we've, I mean, like most um, organizations over the last couple of years, you know, we've had to adapt the way we operate. Um, Elanco IT was always fairly flexible in terms of our remote working outside of uh, specialist roles that need to be on site because of maybe manufacturing or R&D, you know, physical access to machinery, for example. Um, but generally speaking, we've always tried to operate with a sort of hybrid workforce mindset and actually even pre-pandemic, we built the new IT ecosystem with really hybrid working um, front and forth, uh, or, or right at the front of our thinking. Um, and obviously that has paid huge dividends, <laughs> yes. um, more than we'd ever could have imagined um, in the last couple of years. Um, in terms of then layering on top of that a culture of success, I think we've done a few things. Um, something that we initiated very early on was, and again, none of this is particularly rocket science, but making sure that you always have a level of availability and making sure that you are purposely investing time in those relationships. Um, because the challenge, of course, is, you know, if you are in an office space, um, inevitably you will interact with people, you know, the water cooler, the coffee moments. Uh, of course, sat in front of your own desk, that, that won't happen. So you need to be more purposeful in, in how you manage that. So we did at a team level, you know, we would have lots of sort of team catch-ups, team you know, lots of teams doing like virtual walks where they'd all be out on a walk, but they'd all be on a, you know, on a bridge and they'd be, you know, really just as you would in the office, kind of just chatting um, up to all IT engagement sessions where we would have, um, we would bring all sort of 200 odd individuals onto the same bridge. We had some phenomenal sessions, actually really funny sessions where you've got, you know, individual team members over in Australia, team members in the UK and the US um, even with the time differences, people still join um, a lot of uh, good, friendly engagement. Um, and actually, you know, that does a lot for spirit. It, it does a lot for kind of making the team feel like one. Um, and it wasn't all roses, of course. You know, there was there was challenges and, and feedback shared during those sessions as well. Um, and then last but not least, something that we still do to this day is we do a, a lot of Ask Me Anything sessions, not just with leadership, but um, with different um parts of the organization where you essentially have a group of individuals come together. Um, you generally have a couple of individuals, sometimes leadership, but sometimes not. Um, and it really is just an open forum. It's a safe room, literally ask me anything. Um, and not only do you get to know the individuals a little bit better during that. And for us with, you know, 200 is a decent number, but actually, you know, it's, it's a number that's still manageable. You can, I, you know, I'd like to believe I know most people in Elanco IT at some level um, and have interacted with them. Um, and again, that gives helps that family spirit. Um, I know that's not always viable for every company, depending on their size. Um, but those Ask Me Anything sessions as well, I think really can help with the trust um, yes. in terms of people really listening to 
you know, and getting more context around some of the frustrations or pain that might exist in the system. Yeah, I'm kind of curious on the uh, on the ask me anything questions because I mean that's opening up. You know, it's literally uh, a vulnerability. It's opening up to being vulnerable. Um, and how do, I can imagine some of the things that you get asked are quite tough. And and there's kind of politics as well. Uh, you know, not saying that uh, your company has politics in it, but you know there is a level of what information can be divulged and what. How do you handle that as a tech leader or as a leader? Yeah, so I, there is definitely a balance. Of course, there's certain information that you know is sensitive for either a period of time or because of the implications of that information. Um, so of course you have to be cautious of that. But I think the goal always to me comes back to transparency and, and one of a recognition that, you know, it's this is people talking to people. So, you know, there's, you know, I want that individual, whoever has asked the question, um, you know, to get an answer that meets their expectation. I'm, I don't want to purposely hide or, or um, um, you know, dance around a particular topic. So I tend to be a relatively personally, I tend to be quite a blunt individual anyway. So I, uh, I will normally say it as I see it, frankly. Um, mm. And my hope is by doing that, um, that people see uh, whether they like the answer or not, they at least know where they stand. And, you know, they have an appreciation for, okay, you know, I may have a different view, but at least I have an understanding of the context and and why we're thinking about it this way. And I think that's important. Um, I think if you try to sugarcoat a particular topic, especially a sensitive one, you can actually end up doing more damage because people, I think, can get... um, you know, ex- expectations can become misaligned, basically, uh, or understanding can become misaligned. So trying to be as, as upfront and transparent as possible. And then when you can't say something for a specific reason, you know, acknowledging that fact and, and being honest about that and trying to give some indication as to when that information, you know, will be shared, because um, uh, usually it's time bound in, in some way. Um, so that's certainly how we, we try to handle that. Um, and we've definitely had tough questions, but you know, if you don't ask the tough questions, then you will never get better as an organization. So it's, it's you know, we are trying desperately to encourage that, mm. but we recognize that takes, that in itself takes courage from the, uh, you know, from the individual asking the question to, to sort of, uh, you know, be bold enough to ask a question that might be seen as controversial or, um, yeah. so that's certainly the spirit we try to, uh, foster. Right. 100% agree. You know, having those tough conversations, it they might be tough in the me- in the moment, but they're on the on the bigger picture. They're much better. You get you get get it out in the system, and then discuss it. And as we come towards the end of our time together, um, I wanted to ask you some kind of nice questions. Well, they're all nice questions, but these are particularly nice. I feel. Um, what what advice would you give to aspiring tech leaders out there based on your journey? Yeah. So for me personally. Um... So I consider myself action orientated, pretty ambitious um, and have always been open to risk. So I would give two two pieces of advice. Maybe the first one would be associated to risk, which is be willing to take some risk. Um, You know, I think if you, um, you know, if you are overly conservative in, you know, whether you're looking at your own career or or how you operate, um, you know, you may you may have a certain amount of safety. But uh, the reality is. I think the really exciting stuff, the really interesting stuff is usually captured by those that are willing to carry a little bit more risk. Um, so I would say, you know, try to quantify it, but fundamentally be willing and open to taking that risk, even if it's making you um, a little bit uncomfortable in the moment. So that would be point one. Uh, point two for me is all about the network of people. Um, relationships are key. Um, you know, having a strong mentor network 
both in terms of individuals that you can learn from, maybe individuals that have been on um, a journey that you're looking to go on, but also kind of reverse mentoring, um, you know, having, you know, as I, as I progress further in my career as an IT professional, um, inevitably I get a little bit further away from the keyboard, um, although I try to maintain that as best I can. Um, but what I try to do is stay connected with those individuals who are very, very connected to the keyboard because they tend to be on the bleeding edge of what's, what's coming down the line, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly. Mm. So I look to gain insight from those guys just as much as I do trying to gain insight from individuals who are, you know, further on their career path than, than maybe I am. So that people network is, is critical. Um, don't, don't ignore that, um, invest time in it and be strategic as well. You know, go after individuals that have, you know, different perspective than you, different life, you know, uh, life experiences, because that's only going to broaden your own horizon. So yeah, willing to carry some risk and, and investing in your people network would be the two pieces of advice that I would, that I would lead with. Excellent advice. And coming on now to a question that I really do love asking, which is, are there any books or um, uh, lectures or, or films that you recommend for te aspiring tech leaders uh, and, and books that have been kind of, or things that have been gateways in your kind of career? Yeah, so I've um, I've read a number of the sort of well-known industry books, you know, the, the Lean Startup, Lead and Disrupt, Thinking Fast and Slow, you know, uh, Creative Confidence. These are all... Um, really interesting reads. Um, what I the only the only uh, piece I'd add to that though that I think is equally important. Um, I'm relatively uh, uh, well connected to the open source community. Um, I believe ever increasingly there is just a tremendous amount of really interesting innovation happening in open source um, projects, communities, programs, networks. Um, and, you know, the nature of it being open source, in many cases, you know, you can get involved very easily, mostly virtually, uh, usually no cost to do so. It takes time and effort sometimes to seek these things out and, and to establish a, a, a sort of a persona within them. Um, but I learn a tremendous amount from these com communities, not just uh, engaging, but also contributing to them, um, whether that be on trending technology topics, whether that be on... Um, uh, you, you know, new technical innovation that people are trying to bring to the uh, bring to the market. So, yes, there's some really interesting, I think, you know, published materials. But then, ever increasingly, there's a really interesting um, open source opportunities that I would definitely push, regardless of whether you are in your career, to uh, to get involved in. Yeah, I, I can imagine as you kind of mentioned that the creative space. I mean, it's very organic. It's uh... Um, and, and dynamic as well. And if I was a tech genie, okay, and I was going to offer you a tech wish for your tech leadership in your tech space, what would you wish for? Yeah, so I think I'll probably play this answer back in the context of of how we're, we're currently thinking about technology. So there's obviously a lot of um, sort of hyped technology. And I'm, you know, as a technologist, I'm in, probably overly passionate about some of it. But, you know, pick your favorite uh, buzzword around your blockchains and your quantum computings and your uh, AIs. Um, all of this stuff, I'm super excited about. See tremendous opportunity and in, in, uh, you know being applied in different ways in the future. Um, however, I, I think there's sometimes there is a tendency to get a little bit ahead of yourself in terms of the business application of these things. 
So I'll, I'll probably play it back a little bit and say, you know, what I would love to see, um, and we alluded to this earlier, you know, we are now seeing uh, just this growth in data across the world, across every industry, including our industry. Um, and it's one thing having a lot of data. Uh, it's, it's a separate thing being able to drive meaningful insights off the back of that data. And um, in my mind, um, we're at a phase at the moment where we have a lot of data and in, only in certain areas are we doing really valuable things with that data. Um, but I do think there's a tipping point and, and I do believe we're trending towards it, which is that we start to really be able to um, get more, you know, whether we're using that in the context of sort of predictive insights or whatever um, application we desire, but suddenly I think that presents you know, more short-term, tremendous opportunity. Um, and I think especially as more and more devices become connected around the world, whether that be, you know, devices connected to humans, Fitbits and Apple watches and all the rest of it, or devices connected to animals to help um, uh, from, a, you know, pet engagement as a great example, um, you know, bringing all of that data together and then having the relevant models sat behind that that can help you drive actionable outs, uh, outcomes. Uh, is incredibly exciting. So that's the piece I'm most interested in right now for as much as I continue to be fascinated by the bigger buzzwords uh, yes. that will no doubt have, you know, disruption down the line. Um, yes. Yes. So that's where my head's at. That's great. And, and that kind of vision of what's in the future sometimes kind of blinds us. It's kind of, it's like a reverse vision almost. It kind of blinds us to what the opportunity is here now, you know? Yes, we can look at that stuff, but what can we do now with that? Um, and I love that, again, bringing it back to that kind of healthy purpose, the tech and well-being. you know, how we can uh, make a difference um, uh, with our kind of current uh, situation. So that's great, Matt. And as we kind of come to the end, the full stop of the podcast, what key takeaway would you leave for tech leaders, the men and women leading tech companies or parts of tech companies out there? Yeah, so I think um, maybe one more from a sort of personal career perspective, which is, you know, continue to invest in the, in the technology community. I think technology just has such a profound, um, can have such a profound impact on every industry. Um, and therefore, I think it's, it's on us as technologists to unlock that, to, to showcase what's truly possible. Um, and that's what gets me really excited. And I think we're, we, like most scenarios, you're at your very best when you're doing that as part of a, a diverse community, um, you know, bringing together these different ideas. So, yeah, I would, it, it's been difficult the last couple of years, of course, because we, for much of it, we've been locked behind our computer screens, but um, hopefully, you know, going forward, we'll be in a position where, you know, whether it's meetups, whether it's conferences, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, you know, let's look to rebuild those communities, strengthen them, take all the learning and bring it together. That's what excites me. So, um, yeah, but don't be shy. Get involved would be my um, my sort of leading advice and, and certainly what I hope to do over the next year as well. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Matt. It's been wonderful listening to you. So well done to Alanco for the work that you're doing and the purpose that is driving your business. Thank you very much, Matt. Perfect. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, isn't it great to speak to another company with a great purpose and one that they live by? I love their mantra, healthy purpose, and how they're trying to marry technology with the well-being of animals for those lovely pets that we all have and for the animals in the farming industry. I also enjoyed hearing Matt's leadership style and the great team that he has around him to deliver the value to the organisation and set it up for success. 
especially when the organisation had to live through what he called the perfect storm. The divesture, the acquisition of a company of an equal size to it, so it was doubling in size, and all the while while COVID-19 is in the background. So, what were your key takeaways? Here are mine. Number one, creating success of a transformation, and not just one with a little t, I'm talking about transformation capitals all the way down the line. In quick summary, these were upfront planning, having good situational awareness to marry the strategic intent with what's happening on the ground right now. Also, creating a common language across the organisation to ensure that the communication is less ambiguous, more efficient and effective. And not forgetting, explaining the why, why we're doing a transformation and why we're going in a particular direction. And my second key takeaway is around the opportunity that divesture and acquisition that Matt and the company went through to the organisation to be able to give a technological reboot, so to speak, to get rid of technical debt, introduce new tech to streamline the org and also get rid of that horrible legacy technology that keeps weighing everybody down. And my third and final key takeaway, and there were more, but I only got limited time, is the benefit of having a startup culture. The pressure of needing to deliver with limited resources creates a great energy and great innovation, getting people into the trenches, into the weeds to learn about the business and take that forward in their careers. So thank you, Matt. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and well done to your team and the people that helped you make this perfect storm as perfectly navigated as it could be. I look forward to hearing about the great work that Elenco are doing, especially around modernising the farming industry and augmenting the care of animal welfare and well-being with tech. Thank you again. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Lab services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.